This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family. and 10 the Bible says for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost if you will today just sit have a you can have a seat today and if you will today just pray for like we pray as the service goes on today the Messiah's mission to is to seek and to save that who is lost today and every day as as born-again Christians we should celebrate that Jesus sought for us or he went out and looked for us, and that he saved us. We're starting a new series this, this, this month, and it's going to be the Portraits of Salvation. And in and, and this series, it's going to give us snapshots of the ways that the Scripture, how the Scripture portrays salvation. Luke 15 highlights a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son, while Luke 19 celebrates Zacchaeus' salvation. The Passover points to the blood of Jesus, and John 3 tells the story of, of Jesus' sacred conversation with Nicodemus. And then also the closing of the series will be Grace-Filled Adoption Story of Mephibosheth. Has anyone ever got lost? If it's on the road or if it's in the woods. Today, as I start my message today, I want to share a, a story of when I was uh, probably a uh, older teenager, probably 17, 18 years old. You know, as as a, my dad, I lo- we loved hunt, hunting, which I loved hunting. And my dad, one of the types of hunting we did, we deer hunted, but, but one of the type of hunting we did was turkey hunting. Anybody turkey hunt loves turkey hunting. And in turkey hunting, there's a lot of things, you know, goes into that. You actually go into the woods. And and um, one morning, it was, it was one of the first times I went by myself. My dad had... I, all my life from growing up, I had followed him through the woods, and you know, and and when the turkey started gobbling in the morning times before daylight, you know, at, at the crack of day, you'd, you would go into the woods, and, and you know, you'd go get close as you could, and then set up, and you know, and call the turkey, and to, to try to kill the turkey, and and so the, this morning it was one of the first mornings me and Dad had went in two different directions, and um, I had went to to this turkey, and I and I left the my the road into my truck and went into this hammock and. And I went through, and it was kind of foggy, overcast morning, you know, crack of daylight. And as this turkey was gobbling, I was going, coursing where the turkey was at and going to where the turkey was at. And as I was following where he was at and setting up, and we had, I had to move several times. And, and then during these times of moving and setting up, I was more focused on where the turkey was at, how to get closer to the turkey. And after a while, I... The story, I don't remember for sure if I even killed the turkey that day. <laughs> because when all this got over, when it was time for me to go back to the road or go back to my truck, 
everything looked the same. And I had made several moves in several different directions. And everything, every direction looked the same. Like I say, it was overcast. It was foggy that morning. There was no way to see the sun or tell which direction was which direction. And in just a few moments, I was lost. You know, the, the good thing about that is I knew there was a road all the way around where I was at. I was familiar where I was at. So I, I knew whichever direction I walked, I was going to come to a road. But, you know, sometimes that was, could have been several miles of out of my way. But so at that point in time, you know, I was lost. And, you know, anybody that's ever been lost, you know, when you get, when you're lost, it starts getting scary. There's things in life, you know, you, when you realize that you were lost, everything changes. When you realize you're lost and not know where you're going, which direction to go, then you, then your anxiety starts coming up. And then, then you get kind of, your, probably your blood pressure goes up and, and then everything, then you then you start second-guessing every decision you make. You look in all directions, and everything like it did that morning looks familiar. You can't find no familiar landmarks, nothing to set you back straight, because as you get lost in the more, you know, especially when we're driving, sometimes when we get lost, you know, we go faster and faster, (laughs) thinking that's going to help matters more, or we do as men anyway. And so sometimes in life, you know, we find ourselves, you know, lost, seeing nothing, we get a sense of hopelessness that settles all over us. It will take a miracle sometimes in life. We feel like for someone to find us or for us to find our way. Even though in that situation, here I was, the first time I've been by myself in the, you know, not the first time I've been by myself in the woods, but the first time I've been lost by myself in the woods. Because all other times with my dad, I just, I didn't care which direction we was going. I was following him. So where he was going to lead us back to the road. I didn't matter with me. You know, I didn't pay attention. And this morning, it was all on me. Even though I knew that there was a road all the way around me, that I, that I was a way I could find myself out, there was, a, there was a side of me that felt like I was lost forever. I was never going to find my way out. And then all those things start happening. Well, what if this happens? What if I run into this situation? Being lost means we have become disconnected from what makes us feel secure. It takes away from our sense of balance of life. And it leaves us looking for something. Lost means that, when, that what was once clearly seen and visible is now hidden from our sight. Being lost also brings about the greatest feeling of loneliness a human being can experience. When you're lost, you feel all alone. If it's lost in the woods, if it's lost on the highway, or if it's lost spiritually, there is a loneliness that we experience. Whatever causes us to become lost, whether it's because we are preoccupied or merely forgetful, it can cause us to spiral, spiral into despair. Like my situation with the hunting story, it was because I wasn't paying attention which direction I was going. I didn't leave signs behind me. You know, the one of the things that we do, you know, is a hunting and going into the woods. Is you, you know, you leave, you know, as the old the old story says, to leave breadcrumbs. You know, tie a piece of ribbon on a bush, and that way you can find your way back. But I didn't do none of that. 
I just knew that, oh, I, I've been in this, 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 this part of the woods. I've been in this woods all my life. I can find my way out of here. And so t- sometimes in life we find ourselves just that, like that spiritually. We find ourselves just like that spiritually. We find ourselves, well, I can get out of this situation. I don't need to worry about how to, which direction I'm going. But the further we go, the further we get away from God. Our minds begin to reel with thoughts of what life will be like if we're never found. And that's what happened with me in that story. Here I was like, well, I know I, you know, I, I, I did know that I could find my way out, but I mean, but you do feel like, well, what if happens if, you know, somebody don't find me or if I don't find my way out for hours, I'm going to miss a meal. <laughs> I'm going to miss this or I'm going to miss that, you know what I mean? As a child, I was here, I was worried about that, you know. You know, I would like to eat. I could share a bunch of stories about that. But our minds begin to reel about thoughts of life of never being found. The heart-gripping fear that, that, that what a mother experiences when she realizes her child has been lost is indescribable. You know, when, well, I've, I've known stories of, and I've saw actually and, and experienced things with my, being a father and a child. But well, I just take this as a parent, not just a mother, but, but being in a store when your child is on the other side of the, the, the clothes rack and you can't find them. You know, you get that just just seconds, and you get so you know it just you're just indescribable. Another personal story: When I was a child, I was kind of kind of mean and probably a mischievous child, like most other childs. But there was a story, and I don't remember this, but I can bet you my mom can remember this. There was a time, and I was probably it's probably been almost fifty years ago now, but there was a time that I. We have woods behind our house, and there was a time that I decided I'd go hide behind a tree. My mother missed me, and she started looking for me. And, and as they was looking for me, I was sitting behind this tree hiding. And they walked by me several times, calling my name. And I just hid. They were, they were people came by. They, had the, they stopped the work at the shop. They sent out search parties around our house and I was hiding behind this tree even the insurance man salesman came up to the house they got the insurance salesman out looking for me in these woods probably today they would have had called the law and they probably they had a search parties but, but here I was sitting behind this tree thought it was funny because I was hiding from them and they were looking for me but I, I could just imagine the feeling my parents thought, the thoughts that went through their mind, their child is lost. A mother will go through into any extremes to find her child. Far beyond any danger of being physically lost or being spiritually lost. This, I mean, far beyond being any dangers of being physically lost, it is being spiritually lost. You know, we talk about physically lost. I've been talking about physically lost. But it's so much more dangerous to us being spiritually lost. The word of God is clear, has a clear path for anyone wanting to be saved. Becoming distracted by these things of this world can cause us to leave the well-worn path and become lost. Growing up in church, you know, there was a well-worn path to the altar. 
But there's times in my life that, because whatever reason, I got off of that worn path. I found myself in uncharted waters. I found myself in unstrange places because I was forgetful or, or I just wandered off the path and became lost. One distraction after another leads us further away from God. Just one distraction. And that's what the enemy uses against us. He's going to use distractions. If he can't get us any other way, he'll just, he'll just get us distracted just long enough that we get off that well, well-worn path to the altar. But when we are spiritually lost, all hope is not lost. Luke 19, the scripture, and our scripture text in Luke 19 tells us that the Father for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He come to seek, he come to look for us and to save us. While we're looking to be saved, God is looking to save us. You know, here we are, when we, when we come to ourselves and we decide to, like the prodigal son, we come to ourselves and go decide to go back towards God. God has been sitting there waiting for us. He's been looking for us. He's been looking for a way to get us back in our life. All the times in my life when I've swayed away from God. Now looking back, I can see where God was directing my path to get me back to where I needed to be. He was looking for me. He was searching for me. And he was searching for ways that would get me to turn back to him. And so in my life, I find myself, find myself, God was always looking for me. Like a mother with a lost child, the Lord will go to great extremes to find a lost soul. He'll, 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 do a, he'll do some drastic things in life to get our attention back directed in the right way. There's times in our life, you know, we go through things, and I've been things in my life where I can look back at now, and I see where God did drastic things in my life to get me back in the right direction. Because there's been times that, that I allowed myself to, to drift, into, drift into the other lane, drift into the don't, wrong, on the wrong road and make wrong decisions at intersections in my life. But when I did that, God was always there to giving me a time for a place for a U-turn in my life. He always had a, a way of getting back, back to God. The love of a parent for a child is, is also indescribable. Words spoken, cards written, even gifts given. You can't give them enough or fall, come fall, fall far short of expressing the depth, depth of a love for a parent has with a child. Regardless of what's wrong with a child, a wrong that a child commits, a mom and dad are still going to love that child. They may not approve what that child did. They may not approve of their directions in life, but they still love them. They may not say they love them, but they still love them. Regardless of that wrong they do, they love them. How much greater is the love for Jesus for people, no matter their sin? Although sin has consequences, now and in eternity, no sin will ever cause God to stop loving someone. God loves sinners. You can't get so far away from God that God don't love you. 
I humble my, I humbled myself every time I think about that. Far as away from I got away from God and everything that I ever did away from God, God still loved me. He still loved me so much. John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. His love was so deep for lost humanity that He was willing to die as a sacrifice for our sins. While we were lost and a million miles away from Jesus spiritually, He died for us so that we could have a close relationship with Him. Think about that for a few moments. Jesus loved you enough that He died for you even before you were born. While you were in sin, He died for you. While you were unlovable, even your parents probably was sometimes was hard for them to love you. Jesus died for you. He died for you. John 15 and 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14 says, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Jesus calls us friend, and he died for his friends. We all have close friends that we say that we would do, we'd be willing to do anything for. Anybody here has a friend that, they said, that they'll tell that? Maybe it's your, your wife or your spouse. I'll die for you. I'll do anything for you. I'm willing to go as far as I, how I have to for you. But if we really put to the test, are we really willing to die for them? You know, we say that easy. I mean, I'll do anything for you. I'm here for you. But are we really willing to step in front of a gunman or step in front of this or that for someone, for a friend? But Jesus had no such reservations. When a sacrificial death was required for our sins, He was willingly lay down His life for us. Even for the people that even had no relationship with Him. Here He was willing to lay His life down for people that didn't even care that even blasphemies against him. He laid his life down for all sinners. Since the beginning of time, the Lord has been reaching for lost people. From the very beginning, he's been reaching for lost people. He's been reaching for the imperfect, the weak, the discouraged, the delusioned, the disappointed, or the even the defeated. He loves us all. It doesn't matter how what we've done in life, what, where we've went in life, the bad decisions we've made. Even if we've turned our backs on God, He still loves us enough to die for us. There has never been a sinner whom God did not love. doesn't matter the horrific sin that they committed. He, he still loves them and, and wants and died for them. In Luke 15, Jesus began a trio of parables by telling of a shepherd who counted his sheep only to realize one was missing. Although the 99 sheep were accounted for, the shepherd set out to find the one lost sheep. Some people may feel that losing one is not a big deal. Oh, he's got 99. In the business world, sometimes we, we're willing to lose a little bit because we still gain. We're willing to give up a little bit just because that's just a way of life. That's just the nature of things, nature of business, the world. 
the cost of life, you're going to lose just a little bit. You're going to lose things in life. And so sometimes we take on that mindset. Well, we, even as a, as a church body, sometimes we take on that mindset. Well, we, we, we kept 99 of them and we just lost one. It's, it's, it, it is going to cost. They say, why should we trouble to find out that one lost sheep? You know, we say it's going to cost us some time and it's going to cost some money to search for that lost sheep. You know, the business world says, well, they, they kind of look at the risk and they say, well, that's going to waste so much time and that's going to waste so much manpower to find that lost sheep. And it's just that he's probably a little weak sheep anyway and he keeps wandering away, so just let him go. I mean, he's just that. Ain't you glad that God don't feel, didn't feel that way about you? Even though you wandered away, and you may have wandered away multiple times, every time Jesus came back and got you. While it may not have mattered to the others, it mattered to the shepherd. It didn't matter to some other people, but it did matter to the shepherd. And also, it mattered to that one lost sheep. It mattered to that one lost sheep. He knew that that sheep would die if he was left separated from the flock. At that moment, the one lost sheep was as valuable to him as all the other 99 was to him. At the risk to his own life, the shepherd went out to find that lost sheep. Imagine the relief the shepherd felt when he laid eyes on his lost sheep. And the lost sheep was safe because the shepherd searched and found him. The shepherd carefully lifted the sheep into his shoulders and he carried him back into the fold. The second parable was about a woman who lost a silver coin. And the coin may have been valuable as much as or equal to a day's wages. She frantically turned her house upside down in desperate search for that coin. Because the light was poor, she even lit a lamp to search for it. Frantically, she looked every corner of the house, every under, every under, every under couch, under the under the recliner, and under every chair in the in the living room and in the bathroom, and looked everywhere in the house for this. She even swept the floors in case this coin was lost, covered up by dirt. And then suddenly, there it was. She had ransacked her her own home, but she found the coin. The joy of the shepherd finding the lost sheep and the woman finding the lost coin pales in comparison to how Jesus feels about finding a sinner. Luke 15 and 10 tells us that likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. If human beings rejoice over temporal things being found, can you imagine how much the Lord rejoices over an eternal soul being found? You know, we, 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 we get excited when we find something. I get excited when I find my keys to my car or truck because I lose them pretty regular. I get excited about that. But could you imagine how much God gets excited about finding an eternal soul, someone that's not going to be, be eternally with him? People place great values on money and possessions, but the Lord places a greater value on people. Own souls. Hebrews 12 and 2 expresses the joy that Jesus has felt. He says, Looking unto the Jesus of the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that he has set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the pain and the agony of the cross because of the joy that lay before him. For Jesus, the joy of saving souls was greater than any pain that he would suffer on the cross. The joy of reaching the lost. The joy of finding someone that's lost and giving them opportunity to come back to the fold. That was greater joy to him than anything that he would have to go through in life on the cross. Isaiah 61 and 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with a garment of salvation. We should rejoice because of joy that is set before us in our own salvation. We should, we should rejoice every day. That should be on our tongue, on our voice every day. We should worship the Lord every day just because he found us and because he saved us. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, Jesus responded by saying in Matthew 6 and 9, says, After this manner, pray ye, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, how will be thy name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That prayer was a sincere request for the will of God to be done on the earth. God is not willing that anyone should perish. And if we want to do His will, we must reach for the lost. If, if it is God's will for us, for all the world to be saved, then that should be our will. We should do everything we could do to reach the lost. To reach anyone that, is, that has wandered away from the fold. We understand not everyone will accept salvation. But all of heaven rejoices when people are born again. When we repent of our sins, heaven rejoices. It only makes sense that we should rejoice also when a sinner repents. We should worship that. We should rejoice when, when we see someone that has repented. We see one that, someone that has come, come home. We should rejoice. We should be like the father of the prodigal son who proclaimed, This my son was lost, and now he is found. We should rejoice in everything when we see ones come home. Zacchaeus, in Luke 19, we meet Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a rich tax collector. As a rule, the, Jewish hated, the Jews hated tax collectors. They were agents of the hated Roman Empire who collected taxes. They had the power to increase the actual fees that were due as long as they sent the, the right amount back to the, to the Romans. They could pocket the excess. That's how they became rich is because they would increase what the taxes was above what they was required to give or required to receive. And as they, they pocketed the rest, they had the power to increase these taxes and they could pocket the rest. Many of them became wealthy at the Jews' expense. That's why they were hated. Evidently, Zacchaeus followed this practice because he was despised for it. But Jesus showed up that showed that even a man like Zacchaeus, a man that had done so many people wrong, so many people hated, so much sin in his life, that Jesus showed that he could be saved. Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus, but he knew not 
and he knew that it was not going to be easy. As a child song goes, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. We sing that song, we sung that song, we, and I think this song goes more about his stature, but I think it also goes about how he was spiritually. If, we, if, we're going to see, if he was going to see Jesus, he would have to do something out of the ordinary. His desperate desire drove him up a tree, literally. It drove him up a tree. He ran ahead of the crowd and found himself a sycamore tree. In the direct path that Jesus was walking. And as quickly as he could, he climbed up in the tree above the rest of the crowd to where he could see Jesus. Here the story takes an interesting twist. Zacchaeus climbed the tree because he wanted to see Jesus. But within just a few minutes, Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. Luke 19 and 5 reads, When when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. And come down, for today I must abide in thy house. It would be easy to assume when we read this story, or after we read this story, to assume that Jesus' passing through Jericho was nothing else, with nothing else on his mind but finding Zacchaeus. Here he was going, or we also, or he could have been going to do other things. But you know, when we read this story, we kind of feel like that Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. That's why Zacchaeus, he was on that road today, perhaps. You know, we find him doing other things, but also, you know, somewhere in that to, in life, you know, we find him looking for Zacchaeus. He may have did some miracles on the road, but I feel like that day he was to reach Zacchaeus. Because he says, today is the day. Today I'm going to your house. And I think when Jesus got up, that was his mission for that day, is to find Zacchaeus. Whatever the, the motivation, the short despised tax collector came down out of the tree and Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully. Zacchaeus was joyful to have seen Jesus and also Jesus was joyful to have found Zacchaeus. However, the rest of the crowd wasn't so joyful. And they made it known. They whispered and murmured soon started and they they said, I can't believe that Jesus is going to the house of the sinner. This guy that has done us so wrong. I can't believe he's going to Zacchaeus' house. Does he know what Zacchaeus has done to us? They probably have come up and probably was saying, you know, Zacchaeus took so much money from me. He's done me so much wrong. And he's, you know, he took food literally off my table for my kids. And he's did this and that. How could he go to Zacchaeus' house? But Zacchaeus felt the sting of their words and he felt the conviction. And he tried to defend himself to the Lord. He says in Luke 19 and 18, he says, Half of my goods I will give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. Jesus quickly responded and let Zacchaeus and the crowd know why he had came to Jericho. He said, This day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Luke 19 and 9 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's why he had came that day. He would came to seeking, looking to save the lost Zacchaeus. He said, what he was saying is, I celebrate that Jesus sought for me. And he changed me. People love a good party or celebration. We all love to get together, eat and have fun and Celebrate. People love a good, good party. 
There's something about getting together with people you love and celebrating a milestone or accomplishment like a birthday or an anniversary. The laughter, the fun, the memories we make is some of life's best treasures. However, out of all the holidays, all the birthdays, anniversaries, or any other celebrations of life, none deserve more rejoicing than the day of our salvation. There is no greater day in our life than the day that Jesus found us and saved us. That day is far greater than any other celebration in life, celebration in life combined. Remember, just as heaven rejoiced at the day of our salvation, we should also rejoice. Heaven rejoiced. The angels, the Bible says the angels rejoiced when I, Everett Bird, when I repented of my sins. If, if, the, if heaven rejoiced, I should rejoice every day for that day too. We should celebrate the deliverance and the spiritual freedom that God has given us daily, every day. We should be thankful for God, a God that gave his life for us and a God that searched us and found us. But, it, but he would not, if it had been a strange feeling for Zacchaeus to realize Jesus knew where he was at, Jesus also knew Zacchaeus was lost. But he would not be lost for long. But like Zacchaeus, we are a little short when it comes, came to being saved. One day we was look, went looking for Jesus. We knew where we were. We were lost. But we also knew that Jesus was looking for us. Just like Zacchaeus, Jesus found him. Jesus is already seeking for us today. He's seeking for lost people here today just like he sought for us or you or me. And he's reaching for the lost souls and he's searching for them. Think back to the moment you realized that you were lost and that you needed God to save you. Anybody here remember that feeling? You may forget a lot of things, but you remember when you really realized, hey, I'm lost and I need God to save me. There's no feeling on earth like it. Once we realize that we, we have to be saved, then God gives joy. Every day we should seek to recapture that same joy that we had when we felt that freedom of being found. I know the day I got lost in the woods, when I walked out to that road and I knew and I could see my truck down that road, there was a feeling on my come across me that was great, but it comes not compared no comparison to the feeling I felt when I got up off that altar right over there from that piano. And I felt that freedom of God that had found me and changed me in my life. There was a freedom that came across me and a joy that came across me that I would never forget. The words of the hymn, Amazing Grace, needs to become our testimony. The Bible says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. So today is, you know, that should be our song every day. That should be our testimony to, to, the, to the lost. The people we rub shoulders with every day, you might, we can tell them. We may not can share a lot of Bible verses or mean a lot of things in life, but you can say, I was lost and now I'm found. Today I want to close with, start beginning to close, I want to close with two things. First, that we cannot find ourselves spiritually. We, can, we do have to have no power within ourselves to save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. Just like in, in the literal world, sometimes, you know, we, we do find our way sometimes. 
in this, in physically. But we can't do that spiritually. We can't do one thing to save ourselves besides giving ourselves to God. No matter how hard we try, we will still be lost. We can't do enough good things to find ourselves. We can't, can't come to church enough to find ourselves. We've got to allow God to find us. Allow God to change our life. Secondly, Jesus never stopped looking for us. Doesn't matter how far, as I've already said this today, doesn't matter how far we get away from God or what we get ourselves into, God is always looking for us. We may be like the prodigal son. We may be in the pig pen of life. But God is always looking for us. While the elements of, and time work against us, Jesus never lets anything stand in the way of him finding a lost person. The parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep were evidence of that. No matter what came about, nothing, nothing got, came between him and looking for that. Nothing came between the, the shepherd looking for the lost sheep. Nothing came against this lady looking for this coin. Whatever it took to find them. They were willing to give it all. And that is the way Jesus is for us. The story of Jesus going out of his way to find Zacchaeus shows us just how much he loves the lost. Here Jesus was being mocked. Here Jesus was being criticized because he went out of his way to go home with Zacchaeus. But it does it, did it not matter. Jesus is willing to do whatever it takes for a lost soul. Whether you are lost in the house, separated from the sheepfold, or Jesus found you up a tree somewhere, he was looking for you. And he did not stop looking for you until he found you. If you're here today, as we stand, or if you're here today and you feel lost, I'm here today to tell you, you're in the right place. You're in a place that you can be found today. As we pray today, I ask us today, let's rejoice in that Jesus never stopped looking for us. And let's be like Jesus. Let's help be looking for lost souls. Let us pray. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, allow that we rejoice, Lord Jesus, in, the, in you that you never quit searching for us. Lord, we ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to minister, Lord Jesus. And touch to us, Lord Jesus. Allow us, Lord Jesus, to feel your presence, Lord. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to anoint this word, Lord Jesus, that goes for, for us today. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to anoint the rest of this service, Lord Jesus. I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. Minister today, Lord Jesus, through the rest of the remainder of this day, Lord Jesus. I ask you to touch us and anoint us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.